Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back into the show. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, as we're proud to use our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a special guest. It's none other than Ben Ingram with the Braves Radio Network, your radio voice for the Atlanta Braves, back with us here on this Tuesday. Ben, the time is always greatly appreciated, and I think we have to start with what was uh, accomplished last week by the Atlanta Braves, and they were able to present Freddie Freeman with his World Series ring, a lot to make of the emotions that everybody was experiencing. What was it like, Ben? Take us there to be a part of this past weekend. I appreciate you having me, fellas. Good to talk to you guys. Um, It it was pretty wild, to say the least. I I think we all knew it was going to be emotional. I think we all knew it was going to be uh, pretty overwhelming. But to be quite honest, it was more emotional and more overwhelming than I even thought that it would be. And that's saying something because Freddie's an emotional guy, and we've known that. But uh, when 42,000 people were on their feet cheering his name, and uh, this whole thing started during the press conference and batting practice, and he steps up to the box, and he's in and out of the box and um, received his ring before the game. It was really a moment that I think everyone who was there will remember it very fondly. And, uh, you know, the rest of the series, it, it was a little bit different. But I think in that moment, it was the moment that he needed, and I think it was the moment that the fan base needed as well to see him back in Atlanta. What kind of expectations did you have going into the weekend, Ben? I mean, were you, were you kind of up to date on, okay, a timeline, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, or were you kind of caught off guard by some of the things that took place there with Freddie? What caught me off guard was everything that took place before the ring ceremony. I knew that the ring ceremony was going to be a tear fest. I mean, I think we all knew that. I think him receiving his ring and Smith being out there, his name being announced. uh, I knew him climbing into the box and hearing his name announced was going to be a moment where everyone stood up. But I was thinking it was going to be maybe even as many as five or six minutes uh, where he's being recognized by the fans. That met expectations. What was extremely surprising to me was the press conference um, and, and then Freddie at BP, and we had an opportunity to go speak to him during BP, and he could hardly even speak to us. It, it, it was unbelievable. This was several hours before the game. This was several hours before he received his ring, and he couldn't quit crying, and his his eyes were red for hours, and, and I didn't expect that. So, um, you know, that would have been one thing if this were the first time that we had seen him, but we saw him in April as, as we went out there to L.A., and, and I know that he was emotional then, and I kind of felt like some of that was going to be over with. But it was really that times 10, and I didn't expect that that far before the ball game. And, Ben, one more Freddie question for you before we get to the, the Braves at large. But obviously today with him uh, and the rumors that he is changing agencies here, and it just seems from the outside that it, it just seems like a, a tragedy of errors that that kind of went on. And I know that it's still a, a business at the end of the day, but, like, it, it, did it seem to you that there's some real regret from really all parties involved on, on how it all went down this offseason? I, I think the only party who, is, who really has any regret would be Freddie. And, and everything that's happening today, we've known about this for months. I, I'm honestly surprised that this didn't come about before now. I kind of expected this maybe back in April. He has not been satisfied with how everything went down ever since it took place. 
I don't think that Alex Anthopoulos could have handled it any differently. He was working with Freddie's representation, and it's Freddie's representation that cost Freddie. Uh, that and I think well, another part that cost Freddie is Freddie didn't take full command of his own free agency. And it, to be quite honest, I, I think that the, the party in between Freddie's representation, in between Freddie and the team, is, is, the, is the party that you would point fingers at and point blame at. Freddie didn't want to be a Dodger. Freddie didn't want to play for anybody else. He wanted to be a Brave. And I think it's Freddie's responsibility to make sure that that happens. Uh, it's his career. It's his free agency. He's a father. He's a, he's a, uh, a husband. If these are the things that you want, you make sure that they take place. And it's a very long story that goes back to the offseason of 2021 and him not getting a contract extension at, at that point. I think a lot of us thought that it might come at that point. It didn't. And I don't know how much of that carried over into uh, what took place with this offseason, uh, but all those things were, were contributing factors, as well as, the, as the, uh, the lockout. I mean, there was no communication from December the 1st until March the 15th, I think it was, or whatever it was, uh, with the lockout. So all those things combined set up for very different circumstances. But I think ultimately the reason that Freddie is not in Atlanta, like it or not, fair or unfair, I think it falls on Freddie and certainly his representation. I think his representation did not represent him the way that, that he wanted them to. And, and I don't know that he saw to it that they were to do that and, and, and held them responsible. And that's, and that's why you're seeing the news today with him parting ways with Excel. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the Braves could have handled, handled it any differently. I think they handled it perfectly. They were put into a, a corner, and they had to make a move. They had to go and find themselves a first baseman. And Freddie's representation basically uh, made it impossible for the Braves to make a, an offer that would work for them. And there's, there's a lot of radio silence after offers were made to Freddie's representation. Um, the Braves couldn't handle that any differently, and that's what happened. And, and from kind of this uh, off-the-field stuff to on the field, we had two teams that had just seen each other in the NLCS a couple of years in a row between the Braves and Dodgers, and also before that, a four-game series against the Giants. These were been obviously the first couple teams uh, above 500 and really truly good opponents the Braves had played in a few weeks. Uh, what did you think of, of taking four out of seven against these NL West teams this past week? That's a great question because I think going in, if you told me they're going to take four out of seven, we ought to have been thrilled. And we all do all along. Look, when they're winning 14 games and playing really good baseball, that there was going to be a, a, a part of that where it was okay, but you haven't played any teams with winning records. That's how it goes. When you play the same teams as the Mets and the Phillies and the Marlins and the Nationals, um, that's just how the schedule worked out. The question was going to be, what do you do when the Giants and the Dodgers come to town? And the Braves did extremely well, uh, taking four out of seven. Looking back on it now, knowing what we know now, it really rubs you the wrong way that they couldn't finish that ball game up on Sunday. That's what it's one that really bothers you because that's a bad loss. Bad losses are going to happen. You can't handle when they happen. You just hope that they don't happen in, in a series like that. And you had an opportunity to take two out of three from L.A., and, and it didn't happen. Now it's time to move on. I think you can make an argument that the stretch coming up for this ball club is going to be equally as challenging. And you'd say, well, how is that the case? Because you're not taking on the Giants and the Dodgers anymore. That's true. But you're going into tonight's ball game without Ronald Acuna. I don't know when Ronald will be available again, whether that be the end of this week this road trip, next homestand, we don't know the answer to that yet. Kenley Jansen's about to be out for two weeks. He has the irregular heartbeat, and he was put on IL today. You still don't have Ozzie Albies. Probably won't have him until mid-September. Good news is you could get Tyler Matchett back at some point soon. 
Eddie Rosario is making some rehab appearances, so he could be, be back pretty soon. But uh, you're, you're stretched a little bit thin, and uh, especially in your bullpen. So the, the challenges continue to come, and you face a good Phillies ball club tonight that is going through their own challenges without Bryce Harper. Ben, you kind of mentioned it there, but I wanted you to go a little bit more in depth. We did see today the Braves put Kenley Jansen on the 15-day IL with the irregular heartbeat. What have you hear, heard about that situation, and then what are the Braves going to do in his absence there at the back end of that bullpen? Well, we're about to talk to Snit here in about 15 minutes and figure out the answer to the last half of that question. My guess is it would be Will Smith uh, because he obviously has closing experience. Um, with Kenley, this is nothing new for him. He has had episodes before in his career where he has had irregular heartbeat issues. Uh, he had an operation a few years ago to, to help with that. I don't know that it's anything that will ever be completely corrected. This is something that he has dealt with much of his career. His three previous episodes that have taken place during his career all happened in Colorado. And, and he has told us when it comes to going to Colorado, and we saw this when we were there uh, a few weeks ago, he doesn't pitch back-to-back days in that, in that environment, something where the elevation affects his heart rate. But apparently that happened again uh, over the last day or so. And anytime he has an episode, he's very cautious, very careful, and, and make sure that he does what he has to do in order to correct that. And I can't imagine how frustrating that must be for him because if you think about it, uh, of a guy, of all the guys on a team, what role would probably demand the, the, uh, the highest heart rate? It'd probably be your closer. I mean, you're coming in looking for three outs and your emotions are there. And, um, you, you've got the adrenaline rush of the ninth inning trying to close out a ball game. And I'm sure that's probably counterproductive to his condition. But this is something that he has dealt with before, and we have to trust that he knows what's best for him. Um, and, and I know he's seeing his specialists and his doctors, and he'll be doing everything he can to be back and ready to go. Good point there. The diehard of diehard baseball fans, their heart rates are going crazy at the end of ball games, trying to get those last three outs. It's only something you can imagine what the closer is going through, and so we hope that Kenley Jansen can come back quickly. Our guest right now, Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, is out for Atlanta. We saw him exit the game on Saturday against the Dodgers. Tell us a little bit about this, Ben. This this is kind of cloaked in mystery to me because he fouls the ball off of his foot. He remained in that ball game. He even got a rundown later in that ball game. Uh, there didn't seem to be signs of anything that that seemed to be uh, too over the top in terms of pain. In, in terms of uh, uh, how, how cautious he was about the injury, it seemed like something he could play through. They they did an X-ray on it. There was no fracture. Snit told us that after the game, and, and we we're all taken aback, thinking, wait, 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 no fracture. We didn't even know it was that serious. Uh, but then Ronald had requested on his own uh, one of the, the scooters that you can prop your knee up on and, and wheel around and take your, your weight off of that foot. So that told me this is obviously bothering him significantly more than he let on, significantly more than, than we were led to believe initially. Um, he was on, uh, as you mentioned, as he, during, during our Sunday night ball game, he was on uh, one of the broadcasts there for that game and mentioned that he was very concerned about the foot and the injury itself. And I don't know what that means other than what to take on, on face value with his words. So if, if he's concerned about it, that gives me concern. But fortunately, the x-ray shows that there's no fracture. So hopefully this is just bruising. Maybe he's out uh, this series. I don't know. Uh, they, they, they've given us no timetable. So I, I hate to speculate because sure. never never know. Maybe he wakes up tomorrow and he's in the game. I have no idea. But I know that he's not in the game tonight. And Adam Duvall is in right field. And Hopefully, in the next 24 hours, we'll get 
some sort of an update on the timeline for Ronald. Let's get one more for you, and then we'll let you get out to it and hear from uh, Snitker himself a little bit later. Again, Ben Ingram is here with us on the program today. You talked about uh, some of the injury updates. We saw the rehab assignment for Eddie Rosario and Tyler Matzik on his way back. What about Mike Soroka, Ben? What's the latest with Soroka, and what could he possibly add to this Braves uh, starting rotation? Because we haven't seen Soroka pitch in quite some time. Yeah, we have. And a lot of that's going to depend on what we see really in the month of July. Um, Mike was he was sent to Florida about two, three weeks ago, and that's where he started throwing flat ground, progressing to throwing from a mound. Uh, here in the last two weeks, he has moved into a six-week program that is very similar to what he would do for a normal spring training. So what, what he's doing right now, just consider it spring training for Mike Soroka. Um, you just continue to see how that responds how he feels, um, how he continues to build. I, I think what you're looking at for him is get to the end of July. And once you get to the end of July, that's about when that six-week period would be up. Well, there's no guarantee that Mike Soroka at the end of July is going to be regular season ready because we've not seen him in almost two years. It was August of, two, of uh, 2020 when he went down. So upon that six-week period expiring, I think at that point he would go and start rehab. He would most likely... Uh, spend most of that rehab in Gwinnett. I think they'd have to evaluate at the end of the six weeks when he's down there in Florida which level is best suited for him in terms of rehab. Does he go to Rome, Mississippi, Gwinnett? We don't know. And and maybe he's there for a week. Maybe he's there for a month. We, we really don't know. I think it's going to be a situation where we continue to watch him. How does his arm respond? How does his foot respond? Uh, how, does, how does he continue to, um, to, to fare in between outings? And how long is he able to go? So it's hard to really pinpoint exactly what my expectations are because I could see him needing multiple weeks of rehab just because he hasn't pitched in a big league game in almost two years. And at that point, you're talking about September. So I would say that the best case scenario for Mike, very best case, would be early August. And maybe the more realistic sign would be first week or so of September. We'll see what happens. Ben Ingram joining us here. Phillies and Braves coming up this weekend. The one thing we need to watch out for in this series is what, Ben? And we'll let you get out of here. What what to watch, Braves and Phillies? I would say the starting pitching. Uh, Zach Wheeler goes for the Phillies tonight. Um, He seems to always have the Braves number. Really good pitcher. So I'd say whatever our left-handed batters can do versus him. That'll be the story of tonight's ball game, and then furthermore, the bullpen because the Braves have had some issues with their with their pen, obviously, down a man or two, and and if this Braves bullpen can answer, then it should be a pretty good series. Thanks for the time, Ben. We'll be listening all week, and folks can listen here in the Auburn area. Be well, and we'll talk again soon. Okay. You got it, fellas. Thanks for having me.